Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to this episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. In today's interview, we're chatting to Safira Khan, who's a social activist involved in many different areas of the disability sector. She's the education manager at the South African National Zakar Fund and is also a radio presenter. And Safira loves to travel. And that's what we're going to be chatting to her about in the interview. a different way of traveling. We're chatting to Safira Khan from KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Safira, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you today? Very well, thank you. I'm very well. Thanks. And you? I'm good, thank you. It's great to have you with us. And I admit I'm feeling a little intimidated because amongst the many things that you do, you're also a radio broadcaster. So this might be an unusual experience for you being on the other side of an interview, but I'm sure it's going to go great. I'm sure it will. So maybe just as a starting point, I could ask if you could just let us know very briefly a little about yourself, the work that you do, and some of your experiences um, just in your, your general daily life. Okay. Firstly, um, I was born blind with irreversible glaucoma. Um, and at those days, my parents didn't have ECD, which is early child development. But I think they learned through trial and error. And then after that, I went to a boarding school at the age of about three and a half, four years old in the Arthur Blacksall School for the Blind, where I think I spent uh, the most important years of my life. Um, but my parents were very important to me. I think um, as a child, they nurtured me and they were very good, but they had to put me in, into a boarding school um, so that I could. And I have a sister that's blind as well. Uh, my parents had 10 kids and of the 10 kids, my sister and I are blind. We're both born on the 2nd of January, but we are not twins. We have a sister between us who's absolutely Sighted, you know, nothing wrong with the rest of my family. And it is congenital because my parents weren't related. So anyway, I went to the School for the Blind at Peter Maritzburg. It was a boarding school. And I started from class one and completed till metric. And um, that's another whole experience. But I think I'm grateful for that experience, though, because I think I wouldn't be 
where I am today without having to go to a boarding school and learn things. Uh, it was very painful for my parents, though. I mean, imagine your little girl in school and you only get to see them during vacation. And even as a child, um, while I was still young, I used to cry going back to school because when you come home, it's different. And you, when you go home, back to school, uh, you cry. Uh, but as you grow up, you mature and you don't feel that same feeling. In fact, then you want to go back to school and see your friends. It just changes as you grow. So I think the teachers and the house mothers were good mentors in that. After having completed my metric, um, I started studying. And I started my BA degree and I also uh, didn't complete it. So I went to work uh, for a while, um, but I completed it on my own. And I also studied freelance journalism, which is radio script writing, TV script writing and freelance journalism. But obviously I couldn't get into the journalist job at that time. And remember, uh, I'm now 63 years old. So some of my stories are before apartheid and then post-apartheid. Now, before that, you know, um, as a, uh, although I wrote the National Senior Certificate, it was all those days just white schools and, uh, and special schools wrote the Natal Senior Certificate. And otherwise, everybody else went to the House of Delegates um, and so, but anyway, that was fine. Uh, after studying, I worked in a um, laboratory called Color Lab, where I did negative developing in the dark room. Even that has changed with technology now. You know, you don't get those now because people take their things and cameras. But those days, yeah. you have to break the cartilage and process that negative before you printed it into pictures. It was a wonderful experience. <laughs> And as I said, I was still studying. And when I completed my studies, I started uh, teaching at the Society for the Blind. I was a Braille and typing teacher, instructor. And I was also instrumental in starting the, the daycare center for blind children. Um, then I attended my first conference and that's where I started my travel. It was language acquisition for the visually impaired child in uh, Los Angeles, California. But before that, my first plane ride was local when uh, I went to guide dogs to for a meeting for Blind Navigators Rally with my late friend, Judy Livo. And uh, she paid for the flight then. And I remember it was my first flight and how <laughs> we were just showing me around the plane and we nearly go and open the wrong thing was going through the exit, emergency exit. I think just in time, the air hostess caught us doing something funny like that. And, uh, so anyway, that's where how my travel started. But I, I did a lot of other traveling through the Junior Chamber International, which is an organization an international JCI and did a lot of conferences and traveling there. And then I left the society and I went on to work for my own. I started my own training company called Sound Success. But again, because you're a woman and then I wasn't the woman of color at those times. So I wasn't getting the kind of business I needed. 
So, and having got married and divorced as well with two young kids, I got divorced when my son was only two and a half and my baby was just born. So I think, you know, I don't regret everything, but what I'm saying is sometimes when you have challenges in your life, it makes you a stronger and a bolder person. So as much as I've had these challenges, I became stronger uh, because as a single mother, you have to do, but let me go on to the present because I only got five minutes on this one. I gave me a duration of time. Okay. Presently, I've done lots of things, as you know, right? But presently, I am an HOD of skills development at SANZAF, which is South African National Zakaf Fund. Um, I'm responsible for all the skills development programs we run here. I also run the Employment Bureau. Um, I'm an accredited facilitator, assessor, and a moderator. And I run an organization which I started, the voluntary-based organization called the Phoenix Light Group for the Physically Challenged, uh, which I run. And um, I also am involved in many organizations. Um, I'll put it in one word for you. I'm a social activist. I would agree with that term, yes. <laughs> and I'm a radio presenter. How do you get involved in radio presenting? Well, you know, I did study freelance freelance journalism and radio script writing and TV script writing under freelance journalism uh, through Success Correspondence College. That was through correspondence. Um, and so... When I started applying for jobs in radios and I got, uh, I started working for Radio Alansar and we, I ran two programs before, uh, which was What Makes the World Go Round? Uh, and what was the other one? What Makes the World Go Round? I can't remember uh, what was the other one, but the one was more like an information uh, um, program. Oh, yes, it was sights and sounds. And it was to do with all the travel places, the holiday places that you could stay in. So we should feature perhaps the, the, the Queen Elizabeth Park or we'll feature the Lions Park and talk about the accommodation, the sounds you can hear and all of that. So there are some amazing places, Shlui, and, and there's a lot of holiday destinations, the venue. Um, what you could do. Uh, so that's why I call it sight and sounds because you can hear the sound and you can, and for the people that can see, you can see the beauty around you. And then I took a big gap, you know, because as I said, I'm a single mom and, uh, you know, my divorce order said 20 rand per child per month. So, you know, I had to make a plan. So I got busy and I left radio for a while and I went back to radio I think 2014, I think. Yeah, and I'm back in since then. I, I do a lot of different programs. I also get involved in other radio stations, uh, organizing interviews for specific programs. That's fascinating. And I love there the link with the sights and sounds, the link to travel. So maybe we can shift the conversation and just get a, a general idea You've told us your first international uh, trip was across to the conference in the USA, but you've mentioned other trips. Tell us a little bit about just generally where 
in the world you've visited on your travels? Okay. <clears throat> My very first international travel, and it was quite an experience <laughs> because firstly, I packed very badly because my, I was going to be there for 30 days and I laugh at it because now I can pack my bag in a small suitcase. And now when we travel, I am the lightest traveler in the group, right? But you learn from experience. So I traveled to uh, Los Angeles for this conference language acquisition for the visually impaired child. And because I was staying longer than the conference I had, I took 30 different outfits. Now that's just outfits. So remember the clothes and my washing powder and you name it to do all of this uh, thing. I had two suitcases and only to find along the journey, those suitcases became cumbersome and it annoyed me having to carry these things. But I knew I was naive then and I knew nothing better. And, um, in America, when I traveled, I had a huge fight with, well, not physical fight now, I mean, argument. I had this huge argument with the attendants, the air, not the air hostess, but the people that assist you when you get off the plane and take you to where you want to go. They want to bring and put a wheelchair for me. I said, I don't need a wheelchair. I need someone to just escort me. I do not. And I used to, they used to insist. And then I realized that in America, people sue people just left, right, and center for silly things, according to them and what they explained. But I said, I'm not going to do any of such thing. I want to use your sighted guide. But it was quite a battle because the first thing you get off the plane, the next thing is a wheelchair waiting for you. Yeah. Not that I'm against a wheelchair. I guess when I get older and I can't walk too far, I will use it. But I think uh, training uh, people about sighted guide technique is something very important. But And I still think to date that uh, airlines uh, need to know how to handle different disabilities. I still think that we need to put a manual together and we need to go to the staff of all the airlines to train them because to date, I still find there's a lot lacking there. But uh, overall, you know, some of us uh, go-getters will make it happen, but not everybody. So I enjoyed the travel though very much because I went on my own with my white cane for company. So I was alone. I didn't have an assistance. I didn't have anything. But I, as I said, um, I am a very open somebody. And I remember my friend sending me a greeting once and said, thank you for your genuine openness. You achieve more than most people because of it, you know. But anyway, I made friends with everybody. I stayed with a strange lady that I met for the first time in LA, but first I stayed in the Figuerera Hotel for three nights, the day of the conference. And then I found a lady that I stayed with and I traveled. Uh, I had friends that lived in Miami. So I traveled and I, I educated people. And then I um, also met with quite a few Lions groups in America because I told the people here in South Africa, I'm going to America and the, the Lions, I went to the Lions meeting and uh, they said, okay, these are the things you need to take back to Lions in, in America. And I've attended quite a few Lions meetings there. Um, 
it was nice. I think a lot of uh, yeah, my first time experience was it was a learning curve for me. Uh, but also, I think never be afraid to ask people. And I only went on a pocket money of $250. And I remember my one friend, Judy, uh, who I met at the conference, invited me to her house in Seattle. And I went and spent some time with uh, uh, Judy. And um, her husband was surprised. She only came to America with $200. <laughs> remember, at that time, I wasn't rich. And the Lions did sponsor my trip. And uh, I went on this budget, but it's amazing. I had a fabulous time. It sounds like it was an interesting experience for your first travel. Yes. Because of the learning curve that you went through, but also as a first time traveler, traveling independently to realize how much you were able to do despite it being your first trip, independent trip. Where else have you visited? But I must tell you one thing. It was that 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 trip really opened my eyes. I just want to say, for example, in the hotel I stayed, I was trying to orientate myself in the room and fell into the sunken bath. But I didn't get hurt or anything, but I learned, you know, that you must be more careful (laughs) and learn how new things operate and um, even the, 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 the cupboard wasn't a built-in cupboard. You walked into a closet to your clothes. And, uh, yeah, so I've traveled. That was my first trip. And then uh, once you travel, it's in your blood. You want yes. to do more traveling. True. Absolutely more traveling. So I through the Junior Chamber International, I traveled to uh, quite a few African states, um, Senegal. Uh, I've traveled to Zimbabwe. I've traveled to Kenya. Um, those were African states, but non-African states through Junior Chamber. I went back to America. Um, I stayed in Hawaii at a conference. Hawaii is so much like Durban, the beach and everything. And then I went to, uh, I did quite a bit of the USA and I did quite a few bit of the UK because I also represented South Africa on various conferences with the Junior Chamber International. So I went to Glasgow and that's where I applied to become an international trainer and through JCI and our international training course was at Glasgow. I also went to India and India was an amazing experience as well because I had another blind person take me all over India and we did our travel by train, the internal travel from place to place. So, and I also presented, I took part in one of the conferences, but what I liked was we um, went to different places and uh, spoke at the different conferences and we used to plug our stuff, our computers and all on the train and do work till we get to the next station. And it was so nice. Uh, a lot of people in India travel by train. And uh, one of my favorite things was the tea they used to serve there in little cups. And I say, I used to tell my friends, this cup is too small. I used to buy like four cups. <laughs> I'm used to drinking tea in a mug. And they're giving me these tiny things. 
It's like one mouthful and you had tea and the tea was divine. So, but through my travels, I must say, every place has different cultures. And it's amazing. Like when I went to Mexico, the Mexican food was so different. In Glasgow, their food was different. Uh, I remember eating one dessert in Zimbabwe. They called it the Nuka Buka Glory. It was an amazing something. That, so different cultures, different foods, uh, different experiences. It's just such an amazing thing. I felt, oh, and I went to Thailand as well. And I went to Japan on a leadership course through Junior Chamber International. And in Japan, they are so fussy. They have special shoes for you to be in the house. You have to leave your walking shoes outside. And they give you these shoes. And I lived with a doctor, I remember. And they use a lot of the Eastern toilets. And uh, yeah, people's bathrooms are different in different <laughs> places. It's just such an amazing opportunity to learn different things. I agree with you so much. And I think the the opportunity to travel and extend one's own awareness of different cultures and different peoples is just such an exciting thing. And I think it's something... We're all missing at the moment, but soon, hopefully, we travel will be open again for all of us and we'll be able to dig back into the world of travel. So if you, when you go to a new place, how do you engage with the place? You, you are blind. You said you, may, you use a, a white mobility cane. What is that travel experience like for you in terms of the sight, well, the sounds, the textures, the experience? How do you navigate and, around? And let me explain that. I think it's an amazing thing. But I want to talk, before I talk about international travel, let me, if you don't mind, I'd like to touch on our local travel. Absolutely. South Africa has some amazing places. Mm. And what I do every year for the Phoenix Light Group for the Physically Challenged, I arrange an annual getaway. But the whole idea of arranging an annual getaway is independence training away from home. Yes. Where we teach the disabled people you're responsible for your own packing. Yeah, you're responsible to be a team player where you need to get on time for breakfast and follow everybody. Otherwise, you hold the group back. And uh, it also gives the parents a break because, you know, when you are at home, uh, people tend to spoil you. I mean, to this day, as, a, as independent as I am, if I go visiting family's house, they do not make me do anything. They, you know, they're still in the old school. And, uh, and it happens all over. They just, I think it's a, it's a thing about being protective or whatever. But, uh, and here locally, I've taken people with disabilities uh, to various places. Uh, I'll touch on the sound and the sights of, of the places as a blind person now. But I also want to touch on the fact that the challenges <clears throat> that we experience here, especially because I take all disabilities, is the lack of sign language to communicate with the deaf in a restaurant or something, uh, the lack of many wheelchair-friendly uh, disability rooms. If you go to a big hotel, they'll only have two disability rooms. Yeah. And uh, so 
I, we don't see it as a, as a big thing, but it's nice to bring it to the fore because people need to also think about increasing their disability standards in terms of accommodation and, and so forth. And uh, so I just want to, but the sites in South Africa too are amazing. I mean, just recently I took a group of 30 people to Cape Town. And for most of the disabled people that I've taken to Cape Town, we departed on the 7th of September and came back on the 14th. It was even their first flight in their lives that they went to. So, you know, so talking about the sights and sounds that we experience with your white cane, firstly, orientation and mobility is very, very important for someone who's visually impaired. Uh, because the first thing you do is when you go to a hotel room, um, you know, I'm brave. I will feel around myself and find my way around. As I said, my first experience, I was doing that and I fell into the bathtub, uh, the sunken bathtub. But uh, if you're not so brave, it's always wise to get someone to help you orientate, take you around the room, feel uh, where everything is how to identify your room independently or put a, a, a card out the door or perhaps uh, carry a dimo tape with you and just put the word room on it before you go, have it brailed so that you can stick it on your door uh, to find your way around or count how many doors it is before you reach the lift. And then you know that you can always go to the right door. Uh, I think in terms of of sight uh, orientated stuff like uh, where you need somebody to describe stuff to you. So that uh, I did, uh, uh, people describe things, but we touch uh, a lot of places. We ask for the experience of touching. Yes. Like the elephant, it's 10 times bigger than you and me, I must say, <laughs> but you have to touch it and to see how it feels. So if you take an elephant ride, you've got the physical experience and then you've got the touching experience. <coughs> so, and always ask people, never be afraid to ask people. When I went to Dallas, Disneyland, now there's Disney World in Florida yeah. and there's Disneyland in Los Angeles. Now, in Disney World, they had a tape recorder and cassette that you had hired for $10. And it actually gives you a description of how to use your cane to find all the various things in Disney World. Oh, interesting. But in Disneyland in Los Angeles, I met a nice girl called Susan, who was the tour guide. And I held on to Susan's arm. And as she did the tour, she did the explaining to me. And uh, we went on all the rides together, Susan and myself. And uh, I liked her style. I think her style was very open and not being um, overprotective with someone. That's, I think she was more amazed because I came alone with my white cane. And here I am doing this tour. And uh, quite impressive. And we became friends as well since then. So from, from what it sounds like, it, there's a lot of engagement in terms of, well, first of all, the orientation and the navigation skills, but then also the ability to 
reach out and engage with the people that you encounter to get the information that makes that travel experience meaningful for you. Yes. What tools? But although you know, in Geneva, in Geneva, I was put into a room on my own. Uh, but uh, when they have world conferences, they assign volunteers to people for the World Blind Union. Mm-hmm. So I had a lovely volunteer, but she wasn't there early enough. But I learned how to go for breakfast on my own because you had to come out of the hotel and walk a few steps with my cane and go to the breakfast room. What used to frustrate me is I don't know French. And I used to go there. And when they talked to me, I don't know what they're saying. So the one day I remember I stood up and said, does anybody in this room know English, please? And as soon as I made that announcement, I had help. So I always feel and I tell people, don't be afraid to ask. That's true. That is so true. Yeah. So what tools do you use when you travel? Do you use much technology to help you when you travel? Or are you happy to be just yourself, your own personal skills and your mobility cane? Uh, I, I would like to say that I would like to talk to people about what you should be doing as a disabled person before you travel, your preparation. Um, I also would encourage them to be very open uh, with people. And if you have the contacts beforehand, make that call, you know, apart from packing your bags, make that call to the people, the hotel, get a little bit of information so you know what to expect when you go there. Right. Uh, very important for a blind person, please carry your cane. A deaf person should carry the, the printed stuff of finger language just in case you need to use it. Um, a wheelchair person needs to find out uh, uh, about the hotel. Is it friendly, wheelchair friendly? Uh, tell the staff, they tell the staff and management, I am coming. Okay. I am coming through and um, I am in a wheelchair and they will tell you what services they have. Uh, so a lot while you're planning your, your itinerary, which we all do before we travel, make sure you do all these things. And some of the tools I would say you need uh, to be, enjoy your travel is your own interpersonal skills. I think those are very important. for communication Mm. and if you're pleasant people will help you that's also true i think sometimes we we feel hesitant to ask for help because we don't want to be rebuffed or or in any way um rejected but most people are in fact very willing to help and help out when we need so that's a it's a very good important point And I I love the point you're making earlier about the preparation before leaving on the trip, because that does just make things so much easier and also eases a lot of the anxiety that often comes around travel, the uncertainty and the unknowingness. Absolutely. But however, this is why uh, maybe we should think about uh, writing a little booklet Uh, for the travel agents as well, where we train them. Because my last trip to Cape Town where you were a speaker, I traveled with a new airline 
what was it called? Ah, my God, I traveled with it. Um, not Saf Air. It's a very new airline. They, they used to travel, but not much. And I took it for the Sim Air, Sim Air, S-I-M-A-I-R. And um, I was highly shocked at the lack of professionalism in dealing with people. Uh, Durban, I didn't have an issue, but Joburg, um, you know, I'm post-COVID, so I can't walk very far because... Um, I may I still have lung damage. Yes. So they charged me for a wheelchair in the Cape Town airport. Uh, but that's okay. But there was so lack of they, they lack knowledge, man. And and because Sume is new, they don't you don't walk into the aeroplane like you normally do with the others. You have to take transport to get somewhere in the middle of the 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 place where the planes take off, you've got to climb these stairs and then get into the plane like we used to do in the olden times, you yes, remember? Yes. So that one is still like that. So I would really recommend that we print a little booklet for all the airlines and consider doing some training for them um, as to how to lead people down the aisle when you're taking them to the bathroom in the planes, things like that. Because uh, I think some of them still need to do those things. I find it so interesting how inconsistent the the treatment I receive is if I'm traveling on an airplane. That one day, I'll, the 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 assistance that I get will be exactly what I need, and on the next, you know, my return flight, I might find that it's totally different. That and and maybe you're right. Maybe there's something around training of the airport staff and the, the airlines. I, I'm not sure. But I think it is an interesting experience. And it is something that clearly impacts on all of us when we travel. Yes. Yes, it definitely does. Uh, and I think the airlines would be very... Uh, uh, happy to have the training and also to encourage airlines to keep not just the safety guide in Braille. They don't even bother to give it to you anymore, uh, the safety guide in Braille for Braille readers. Uh, but I think that for Braille readers as well, they should be keeping at least one or two books uh, or having it available uh, when you're having a blind passenger traveling, and maybe when and when the, the the travel agents book for a blind passenger, they need to state the passenger is blind and 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 request for what the passenger wants. For example, I'll say, can that airline arrange two books for me to read, uh, especially with long flights? You know, with short flights, it's not a problem. I have found it quite interesting in the last few years. Well maybe not the last two with COVID, but um, before that, the, the number of airlines that have been making on, on the, the airline um, in-flight entertainment, they've included a number of audio described movies. And I think that that's really fantastic to see that awareness coming through and growing. Absolutely. It's not everywhere. It's not on all of the airlines, but it is at least on some of them. And it, it really is exciting to see that growing. I love audio description movies. In Durban, we have an AD club 
And we meet every first Friday of the month. And through the KZN Fleming Commission, we watch a movie in a private movie house with audio description. Oh, wow. Uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. And uh, they're offering, as I said, they offer people to write uh, their movies and so forth. I'm actually planning to do one next year. Ooh. We'll have to speak to you next year one and see how that's going on. <laughs> yes. What what for you makes a good travel experience? In in any kind of travel experience, not just the flights, but what what is the things that you find make a, a trip memorable? Every trip, and I think you must have experienced this yourself, is different. Mm. And, you know, like when I talk about my highlights, I will tell you that my trip in Geneva was beautiful because it was a, a, the World Blind Union Conference. So it was different to when I went on my own, wasn't blind related somewhere else. So the experience is different. But what I enjoyed in Geneva was the fact that we had our own, you know, the, 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 I don't know whether we call it the blind culture or what, but we understood each other and knew the limitations, uh, but it was so much fun uh, there and how we shared experiences. After, after the conference, I remember we used to sit at the lake because they have all these takeaways or these uh, places where you can have a little drink, uh, uh, you know, like a passion fruit or something or alcohol, but I don't drink any alcohol. But I used to join everyone who drinks a little bit of alcohol and still have the same amount of fun without any. So my favorite drink everywhere is always passion fruit and lemonade. And uh, But the experience is different uh, when you are with a whole lot of blind people, okay? But when you travel on your own, like when I went to America on my own, when I went to Japan on my own, uh, the experience is so different. And uh, when I went to Senegal, I, I made friends with two girls that were volunteers for the JCI conference. And um, they got so close to me. They took me shopping. They even took me to their house in the village. And I remember drinking this peanut butter juice. Ooh, I didn't really like it at first. You know, but you have to pretend that it's nice uh, because you got to be courteous as well, you know. And uh, but they got so close to me when when the week was over and I had to go home. These girls that were with me all the time was even crying when I left mm. because we had so much fun together. It took me all over shopping and, and everything in Senegal and the cultures come out. So it's just just so amazing. Uh, you know, our African states, some of them are so very, very nice. Uh, America was very good for me because remember, as I said, me, I planned beforehand. I talked to the people. Um, my friend's uh, daughter lived there, uh, Lizette, and she was uh, in Florida, Miami. Uh, and so I made, did my homework and people were ready to meet me and I planned my trips through the Lions organizations. Yeah. So before I went, people were expecting me to come to their meetings 
and people had made plans for me. I remember in Hawaii, when I went for a junior chamber conference, I stayed in the students' accommodation at the university. And uh, my room that they gave me was not very far in the residence from the, from the bathroom. It was easy access. And uh, only thing I there, I used to, there was a McDonald's there. So I used to eat McDonald's every day. I came back to South Africa and I said, not one more again, you know. <laughs> so everything is, every place is a different experience. And every travel has highlights, Yeah, you know. Um, I must say, uh, because I took, when I took the disabled people to Cape Town this year, and when I had COVID earlier in March and I was lying in my hospital bed and I said, you know, I take the world everywhere, but I haven't taken my family. Hmm. So I had already made up. Well, I wasn't sure I'm going to survive, but I survived it. I got out of the oxygen and all of that. And I said, this time when I take people away, I'm including my family, which is my two grandchildren, uh, my son and daughter-in-law. And, you know, every time I visit them from Cape Town, we're back, they'll still ask me, what was your highlight experience? <laughs> and every time we come up with a new experience, even they too, of the same holiday. That's really interesting. And I suppose that's one of the joys of travel is because being able to revisit the memories of a trip, you'll suddenly remember something else and something different. So I like that yes. as an idea. Yeah, I love it because they all come up with different things. Because <laughs> when they ask me uh, what's my experience for three visits or four visits now, they'll still ask me. So it means that that Cape Town trip has impacted on them, right? Yes. But every time I would give them a different experience and they would share a different experience. Yes. So for me, that was so interesting that each time we discussed it, they all came up with different experiences. <laughs> oh, that's lovely to hear. So Fiora, yes. we, we've spoken about a number of the highlights and a number of the things that you feel help us as blind and visually impaired travelers. What do you think are the greatest challenges that impact on our travels? Uh I think the greatest challenge is if you don't communicate well, number one, and you don't plan well. Because when you plan well and you know what you're doing beforehand and you communicate, so people are expecting you. Uh, uh, another challenge is if you're going to other countries and if you don't know their language, that's why I say communication in various ways. It does make it a challenge. But overall, it's not as, as, you know, even with those challenges, it's not difficult. If you, if you are too shy to talk, then maybe it will be difficult to be, you know, be alone with it. But if you're bold and you communicate and you plan well and you know what you want in your holiday, you will have a fantastic holiday. Very true. If people would like to contact you to find out more about your work or about travel, how can they do so? Uh, yes, they can contact me. My uh, telephone number is 
uh, or they can contact me in the office where I work on 031-309-6786. Thank you. As a final question, if a young person who was thinking of traveling for the first time, a young person with a visual impairment, were to come to you and say, Safira, I want to travel. I'm going to travel. What is the best piece of advice that you can give me to help me get over the nerves and the anxiety? What advice would you give them? Go with an open mind. I would say like I did when I went to America, my first trip and my friend whispered in my ear at the airport, Safura, everybody here got tears in their eyes. You were the only one smiling. <laughs> Interesting. Right? Because remember, my parents were very, very worried I'm going all on my own. And one of the things they said to me is, when you reach Joburg, when it's before you can get onto the British Airway flights, you phone me. When you reach, because you remember in those days, you couldn't fly directly uh, to America. You had to fly to London first yeah. and then from London to America, right? When you reach there, you phone me, make a reverse charge call. So I would advise young people, be brave, be enthusiastic, know what you want, know what you want and where you're going and what you want to expect out of it. But go with an open mind, plan your travel, uh, plan your itinerary together with your travel agent or even with me to come and get some advice. I would like people to go to Thailand. It's an excellent holiday destination and it's really a relaxed one. I have, no. I have to admit Thailand is somewhere that I haven't yet been and I'd really love to go. And not just because I think the Thai food is so amazing, but I believe it's quite yes. an experience. But it's such a relaxed destination to go to. You know, people are so relaxed there. Uh, and it's so hot in uh, Thailand, you can be playing in the pool midnight. <laughs> wow. We used to swim. <laughs> but it's such a relaxed there. There's like no one is in a hurry to do anything. You know? So it's very nice. Uh, Mauritius. Oh, I've also been to Mauritius. And I did the seawalk, which is very nice, where they take you to the to the boat. The boats will take you to the big ship, which is in the middle of the sea. And then you wear these shoes because you get sea urchins in Mauritius. And then you climb down a ladder. And as soon as the water reaches your chest, they put an oxygen thing on your head. You release the ladder and you go down on the ground under the sea. Oh, wow. And there were two men there that made you feel the jellyfish and all that. You don't stay too long, but even if you stayed five or seven minutes under the water, it's an amazing experience. But those who can see apparently said even there under the water, the sea looked so beautiful. But for me, it was even beautiful because it was such a different feeling. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I must say, I didn't want to stay too long because you get claustrophobic. And I I think I've, I stayed about five or seven minutes. And you climb up the ladder and when you come back to a certain point, they take off this oxygen tank and you're back to normal. But it's an experience. There's so much out there in the world that we are still able to experience. And thank you so much for sharing some little gems with us of, of some of your experiences. 
So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, though. I think sharing is always important. Well, I really appreciate your taking the time to chat to us. And thank you, Safira, for all that you're doing in so many different areas. So we really appreciate what you do. Today's travel quote comes from Lawrence Block, who said, Our happiest moments as tourists always seem to come when we stumble upon one thing while in pursuit of something else. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of A Different Way of Travelling. We look forward to seeing you next time round. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa and on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za Editing by Crate Stratton using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow based on a motif by Lloyd Stratton. Credits read by Musa E. Zulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.